Welcome to our second podcast of Let Him In. This broadcast is inspired by all those incredible people whose work is their ministry. Today's guest is my friend, Ryan Reeves. Ryan is a gifted leadership coach with 15 years of experience, not only in building a highly successful business of her own, but also in enhancing the abilities of other people. Ryan's married to Chad and mom to three beautiful girls. She's a million-dollar circle of excellence Mary Kay businesswoman, and she's the founder of Agility to Elevate, a professional career coaching business that focuses on leadership skills and empowering professionals to reach their full potential. Okay, so we have Ryan Reeves here. Ryan, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I'm in my 40s. So, you know, that is an age of enlightenment, I think, um, in and of itself. But I am married to a coach, a Texas high school football coach, and I'm the mom of three highly competitive, highly driven children. Um, you know, in my lifetime, I, I would classify myself as having won the parent lottery. I grew up in a family where my parents were different and they celebrated their differences. Uh, my father was a military brat and he brought this worldly perspective um, from highest levels of worldly excellence uh, into our household and expectations and perspectives. And then my mom is brilliant and she was a small town, just competitive athlete and beauty queen. So. Um, if I were to categorize myself, I would say I am a blend of the of growing up in a household like that. And um, I know we'll have lots of questions today, but what is interesting is my, my parents were not Christians growing up. So uh, individually, my three sisters, my sisters and I, we all came to know the Lord mm-hmm. later in life. And my parents came to know the Lord later mm-hmm. in life. So um, I, I would definitely say when you receive me, it is having been on both sides of a spiritual walk, but having won the lottery of growing up in a household, even though they weren't Christian, they were amazing people who valued people and from the outside looking in were great examples, but not necessarily on a Christian journey yet. So mm-hmm. I love stories like that because it gives us it gives us perspective. It does. It gives the individual perspective on the person that is, mm-hmm. has been raised in church, mm-hmm. and the person that is outside that mm-hmm. window, perhaps looking in, and it, it it allows you to be able to identify with them mm-hmm. and talk to them on a lot of different levels. Absolutely. Okay. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about your career mm-hmm. and some of your goals and some of your motivations. Sure. So professionally speaking, you know, our bar was always high. My mom was a valedictorian. I was a valedictorian. My sister was a valedictorian. So um, really, we've always had the highest levels of excellence in terms of goal setting and intellect and professional. And so my um, father really set the bar high. So whatever it was, we decided to do, we were going to do it at the top of what that was. And so my uh, journey began in sports medicine and in healthcare. And so, um, you know, I started working for a a healthcare organization, a hospital in Lubbock, Texas, and uh, really started running some of the sports medicine side, then went into the preventive medicine side, and then began doing strategic development for um, the new programs that would come into a heart institute. So that's where it began. And uh, at that point, I always like 
like to interject my spiritual journey. At that point, I was married. I had one small child and one on the way. And um, I, I had accepted the Lord uh, in my teenage years, but I still had not been baptized. I had not furthered. I was still searching. I was searching for the relationship side. So for, for that thought process. So, um, I, my family was offered the opportunity to move from Lubbock to Arlington for my husband's job. And we knew that we were supposed to take it, but we didn't have all the answers on what the next phase would look like for me. So what I found myself doing was saying yes to, um, Mary Kay, the, the Drexeling, uh, cosmetics company. And, um, really that was a faith journey. It was, I did not wear cosmetics. I did not enjoy women necessarily <laughs> at that juncture in life. Um, and so it was, it was counterintuitive to what I thought I would be doing, but it was the breeding ground for how God would really lay out the platform. So, um, we, we do, we've done amazing things in Mary Kay. We've fostered leadership in women. We've earned million dollar circles of excellence. We've done, um, a lot of the things that probably only 1% achieve in the company. And then, um, through achieving some of those things, God has led me to a, um, a company that I run now, which is an executive coaching company. So when, when Mary Kay is not always the answer, it allows me an avenue to provide a different answer that I think he's leading me in the direction to lead someone. So that's what I do. I love that. <laughs> I love that. It's like God has this great sense of humor. Oh, <laughs> doesn't he? <laughs> and when you said, I didn't necessarily enjoy women, mm-hmm. And then he leads you into an organization that is founded by a woman. Absolutely. That is directed by Mm -hmm. women, that is led by women, and your audience is women. Absolutely. Okay. So I know that you have a lot of gifts and talents and abilities. Um, What do you think are some of those gifts and talents and abilities that God has given you that has allowed you such a great deal of success Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. Mary Kay, especially. Sure. Um, You know, I'm a firm believer in God giving us an assignment. And, um, you know, uh, in in the coaching side of what I do, uh, one of the things that we recognize is how God has always um, been in control and then how he has also placed um, just defining moments in your life. And so, you know, I believe in the puzzle that he is putting together for Mm -hmm. us. And so what I believe those defining moments have developed in me, um, according to my assignment, um, our strategy, number one, I, I, um, again, I don't believe any of the gifts are of my own doing. I just believe I've said yes to allowing him to foster them, even when they're outside of my comfort zone. So strategy, um, in terms of life or parenting or being a good wife or steward of my finances, I believe he's given me a gift of seeing and connecting strategy. And I believe he's given me a gift of discernment, um, when to say yes and when to say no and how to gracefully do some of those things and still honor and value the people involved or the, the process involved. Involved in that, um, and then honestly, being authentic, he he really has given me. Um, the Lord has given me a distaste for anything that is not a, a vision of the image He created in me, and being able to say yes or no to things that that align with that. So um, I, I would say three A's that typically come out of my mouth are authentic, assignment, and alignment. Those are the three checkpoints for me. Okay, very cool. So as you're looking at your assignment Mm -hmm. and as you're using your authenticity there and you've developed your plan for Mary Kay, Mm -hmm. do you have, and I'm going to use your word, your defining moment Mm -hmm. 
um, where you knew that God was using you in your work and allowing you to use your work as your ministry. Absolutely. A little bit about that. Yes. So, you know, one of the prayers that I constantly have. So when people say, well, how do I start to interject my faith journey into my professional life? Um, The two easy things I've always done to allow me to do that. Number one, I'll say, Lord, please let my words not be my words. Please Mm -hmm. let them be your words. Um, I don't trust me, but I certainly trust you. And so when I feel a prompting, and I will tell you because I did, um, I did not do a public profession of faith. I did not get baptized until I was 32. And um, the defining moment in that was really in my Mary Kay journey when my mentor said, Ryan, nobody's asking for perfection. You don't need to put the the picture of perfection for you. You just have to put the picture of willingness for it. Mm-hmm. And so a defining moment for me was don't worry about the words that you, you have because they're inadequate anyway. Now, the Lord's words. So just be the willing vessel and just say, number one, Lord, please let these be your words, not my words, please. And then um, the second prayer that I constantly say in work or in daily, daily work is, um, you know, let me take a step in the direction you're asking me and let me think about the step before I take it. But let me also not stall the step. So it's about the mouth and it's about the feet <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so defining moments are, are those moments where um, people have modeled for me or they just um, prompted me to consider my words and consider my step and not let them be my own, but to ask first, are these yours? You know, sometimes my step needs to stay where it is and sometimes it needs to go forward. And sometimes I need a perspective that is not mine and I need to look to the right or to the left. And so I would say the majority of my defining moments have encompassed someone mentoring in those two thought processes. Okay. You you use the word we mm-hmm. a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about we, Are you talking about the people that have mentored you? Are you talking about you and your family unit? Who are you talking about? Um, You know, I've been blessed tremendously. So defining moments in, in, you know, the interesting thing about defining moments overall is they're usually small. And so there are moments where, again, I grew up in a household where I knew we were great people who served well, like from the outside looking in, really one of the um, struggles I had in my faith journey was I knew I was a good person and I knew I served people, but I, I was, I knew there was a small disconnect in accepting salvation, but I didn't know how to bridge the gap. So I was trying to reconcile that in my thought process, but there were small defining moments where, um, you know, I remember the Lord prompting me and this was second grade to, um, there was, there was a girl in, um, in my grade and she was just, she was well thought of. She was a leader. And I wasn't sure that I was seen as a leader. And I I literally feel like he said, Ryan, don't introduce yourself. Let her know you're a leader. And you'd like to be a friend with her. And I was second grade. But I remember that prompting of Ryan Newsflash, you're second grade. You're my you're you're a leader. I need you to know that you're a leader. So what I believe is before I knew what the Holy Spirit really was in terms of an advocate, in terms of somebody coming alongside of me and being a partner with me to help figure it out, um, I believe that that I was being prompted by the Holy Spirit, even though I didn't know. But then I have been blessed with mentors, mentors when I worked for my healthcare organization that um, saw something in me and they said, Ryan, can we have private meetings to grow you here? And then um, in Mary Kay, it, it is a network of mentors. It is the greatest form of mentorship I've 
ever experienced. And I will, even if I do other things in addition to Mary Kay, the beauty of Mary Kay has been to become a leader, you must learn to lead yourself well first, because you can't lead someone else if you're not um, good at self-leadership. But then you have the opportunity to lead women who are volunteers. They are volunteering to become better. Mm-hmm. And they're volunteering to become better in all different areas of life. They come from different backgrounds. They come from different mindsets. So the mentoring of my entire journey has been present. Um, and I believe that is a divine intervention. But specifically in Mary Kay, certainly, uh, mentorship was invaluable in, in a way I had never experienced. And you're really capitalizing on the mentorship as you are growing your other business, Absolutely. which is life coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible has so many great examples of mm-hmm. men and women who attach themselves to someone who has a greater strength than mm-hmm. they have. And um, just the, the 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 willingness to grow. Absolutely. That is so, so important. Okay, I want to ask you about this. Can you tell us about a specific time when you know absolutely that God used you in an extraordinary way mm-hmm. in your business? That's very interesting. Um, you know, you stumped me a little bit. I... Well, actually, yes. I can remember sitting at my kitchen table and with someone that I worked with in business, and um, we're having a business conversation, and the conversation stopped. And she said, Ryan, this is what I know. You can coach me on all this strategy, but I know you have something I do not have. And, you know, whether I'm doing, you know, executive coaching, the the underlying um, mentorship um, process is when you've hit a wall and there's a gap. We call it a frustration gap. You're on a plateau. It can be a professional plateau. It can be a personal plateau, a spiritual plateau. Um, the plateau, what it signifies is a frustration gap. It means that our reality is no longer moving in the direction of our expectation. And that gives us the gap. And so what she was saying to me is, I recognize that I have a gap where you are full. And so what is that? And so, of course, it allowed me the opportunity to share Christ mm-hmm. and um, and just really throw out all things that perhaps my, my gap has been filled and she may have one that exists. And then she could choose which area we were going to walk in next. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was a defining moment. That is great. I, I think that so much of our world operates in a frustration gap. Absolutely. Because we want greater mm-hmm. things for ourselves. We mm-hmm. want greater things for our kids. And the answer of Jesus mm-hmm. and of doing what he has already told us that we need to do and right. going in the direction and attaching ourselves to that person mm-hmm. that has growth where we've stopped growing. Mm-hmm. It seems like such a simple answer. Uh, right. But yes. it's not. No, it, it's, it's not. It, while it is a very simple process, mm-hmm. you know, to begin growing, mm-hmm. um, it just seems like we should be doing something far more. Right. You know, yes. and he does. He just makes, he wants to make life easier mm-hmm. for us. <laughs> he does. But so often <laughs> we just, we just think it has to be more complicated than that. Exactly. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, okay. So, What do you want people to know who are listening? What do you want them to know about your profession and um, their own work? And and I'm going to ask it a different way, too. 
We so often compartmentalize mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. I am this person mm -hmm. here. I am this person here. And I am yet this other person here. Mm -hmm. And we do wear a lot of different hats. You sure. know, you're a daughter. You're a granddaughter. You're a mom. You're a sister. You're a business owner. Um, you do so many things. But what advice would you give people not to compartmentalize mm -hmm. or to mm -hmm. keep them from compartmentalizing life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say a couple of things. Um, compartmentalizing, I think, is a high level function for um, performing well. And so it can absolutely be one of our greatest assets. But I think one of my um, one of my peers in Mary Kay, actually, she is a project manager and she has a lot of projects going on all the time. And she said, well, um, would you mind changing your verbiage from multitasking to switch tasking? Because multitasking is really switch tasking. And when you switch task, what you're doing is you're having to abruptly stop and start and stop and start and stop and start. Stopping and starting is exhausting. And so what I would tell people is this, is in order to be consistent across all things, um, ignore the concepts of compartmentalizing, switch tasking and multitasking, all the stop starting, all the, you know, stop trying to put it in a box and find the five words that brand you. So I will tell you, I've had um, one particular mentor and it was the, the most brief moment of mentoring, but it was impactful um, by Mike Loomis. He actually has a book that I think I recommended to you and it was called, um, you know, branding in your calling. And, um, and it was a relief to read the book because I was applying it to my business. How did I want to brand this new phase where I thought God was calling me in the direction of? And the reality was um, one of the exercises, he said, tell me the five words that define you, that describe you. And through the course of giving him my five words, he said, okay, out of these five words, I'm going to cross a couple out. And that's true for everybody, Ryan. That's true for everybody. So cross out the ones that are true for everybody and then give me the next couple to replace it so that these five words are truly who you are in God's image. And then take those five words and apply them across everything you do. Mm. So drop the notion of switch tasking and multitasking and compartmentalizing. Those do have their place in efficiency, but take the five words that, that describe who you are in the image of, of Christ and apply them in every area that you operate and you'll find that you're the same person. So that's what I would say is find your five words and apply them across all areas of your life and you'll start to find a lot of harmony in being the same person. But consistency is powerful too. Mm, it is. That, that You capitalized on that word powerful because mm -hmm. that is a very powerful thought. And here's the other side of that. If we are not that person in every mm. area of life, yes, we really need to think about who we are, absolutely, who we were cre created to mm -hmm. be, and who we want to project to mm -hmm. the world. Um, <clears throat> I think about Stephen Covey's book, and I think about one of the things that he talks about beginning with the end in mind. Yes, absolutely. And about picturing your funeral. Mm -hmm. And I want the people who I go to church with, mm -hmm. who I work with, my family, and the people I live next door to, 
I want them to be able to say the very same thing across the board.、Mm -hmm. Not that, oh, she was so very different in this realm of life. Right. And for people at church to kind of look at me and, and, and think that I was a radically different person. Absolutely. So we do、mm -hmm. need to. Find、mm -hmm. those words. That's that's a powerful exercise. And I think it's okay to allow yourself to search for it. You know, sure. Sometimes too, God allows us to wrestle. Like He's He knows He's calling, or we know He's calling us to a new phase or a new chapter, and so we move forward knowing that He's called us in, in a new chapter, and He hasn't revealed what that looks like yet. So sometimes that can give us a little bit of searching,、mm -hmm. and I think it's okay to have to search to find the consistency. So. You know, in the absence of perfection, when those five words, when you're searching for them, allow yourself the opportunity to search for those five words. I think、mm -hmm. we give him the opportunity to reveal what he says. Right, right, and and the key is giving him the opportunity. Exactly. Sometimes when I get bored with what I'm doing,、yes. <laughs> I think I need to move in a different direction. And as I'm praying through that and thinking through that, it's almost as if God says. Go back to what I told、exactly. you to do.、Mm -hmm. The last thing I told you to do. Focus on that、mm -hmm. until I give you a new direction. Yes. And sometimes being bored means I know every. I think I know everything、right. there is to know about that.、Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily so. Right. Okay. Well, speaking of things we know, what do you feel like? And I know this is a strange question. And it's hard to talk so much about you,、mm -hmm. and we have this idea that if we talk too much about what we know,、right. that we're being、um, boastful.、Mm -hmm. But I'm going to ask you something pointed, and I want you to think about that and answer that. What do you know at this point in life that other people don't know that maybe would be very beneficial and enlightening、mm -hmm. for them to hear?、Mm -hmm. You know. What comes to mind instantly when you say that is not a new concept, but perhaps for somebody it is. But、um, you know, in Mary Kay, often we say God didn't have time to make a nobody, only a somebody.、Mm. And I think I would want everybody to know that it is worth your time to see people.、Um, that is a gift that I think my husband possesses. He has a ministry in people because he literally sees. People in front of him, and so often we don't take the time, we don't stop to see. But if we truly believe that God didn't have time to make a nobody, only a somebody, that means that we have to acknowledge that we have something that nobody else possesses. And if that is the case, we also are compelled to use that so that somebody else can be seen, and somebody else can can have a greater vision to see somebody else. So、um, I don't know if that's too complicated of an answer, but I really. Believe that、um, that I know God didn't have time to make a nobody, only a somebody. So if I will acknowledge that of my own gifts, so that I can use them and see them as powerful and not as boastful,、um, that I can also have the ability to see those in other people when they don't look like my gifts.、Uh, when they when somebody doesn't look like me, it's so easy to go, I'm right and she's wrong, or whatever the case may be. But I can look at every person. And go. God didn't have time to make a nobody.、Mm -hmm. So, what is the somebody sitting inside of them? And and that truly, our I think our、um, assignment as, as Christian leaders too is to liberate the greatness that God put in us, but to liberate the greatness that He put in the the people that He places in front of us at a McDonald's. It doesn't matter. God didn't have time to make a nobody. So, if they're in front of us, that's a somebody, and to see it.、Mm -hmm. 
I love that. Um, I've known Chad yes, longer yes. than I've known you, and I've gotten an opportunity to work with Chad, your husband. And what is so remarkable about what you just said about his vision of people mm -hmm. is that he works with young people. He does. Mm -hmm. He works with 14-year-olds to 18-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And to have someone in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and even 60s, to be able to look at a student, mm -hmm. and a lot of them are struggling. Absolutely. I would venture to say most of them in that age group mm -hmm. are struggling with their identities, with the fact that um, they do have talents and gifts and abilities, mm -hmm. but they're not sure what they are. But to have a mentor, and especially someone as important as a coach, mm -hmm. to look at them and to see them for who they are, mm -hmm. but not only that, to see them for who they can be Absolutely. and who they are becoming mm -hmm. and to really speak truth and um, and love into their life that's a game changer it is it is what I'm most proud of I mean I'm proud of a lot of things that he does but I mean it it's impeccable the way that I watch him interact with children and and watch how they receive it. You know, that's mm -hmm. the magic too is, you know, sometimes I think I have teenagers and so sometimes we think they're not receiving our message. Mm -hmm. And um, the way they receive humility from someone who loves them and is seeing them, um, not just someone barking orders, but the way they receive that when they are seen, it does change everything. It does. And he's a man who runs alongside them. He does, yes. He, he does. doesn't yell an order. Um, I've seen mm -hmm. him running beside them. Yes. And that is such a great analogy to what he does on the field mm -hmm. and off the field. Absolutely. So, that's great. Um, how can we help you in your ministry? You know, prayer always. Um, again, I, I always just seek to move in the direction and have the discernment when I am supposed to work in one direction and not in the other. Um, so constant prayer over discernment. And, um, you know, honestly, um, you know, I do enjoy coaching. I, I love helping people find their light bulb moment. And so, you know, as people have needs that arise, I, I love having women and men consider me as an opportunity um, to coach them to whatever God would call them to next or whatever God would call them to enhance. So of course that is always an opportunity that's available, but I, I pride myself in asking God constantly, is this someone I'm supposed to mentor? And if so, I never want to have the answers. I always are see I'm seeking his answers. So I think just prayer and discernment and you know the gift of referrals if if God discerns to someone else that absolutely um, this might be someone who who could coach my loved one well or myself. Oh wow, that's great. Okay, thank you so of much. Course. Thank Thanks you for so the opportunity. much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yes. Hey everyone, thanks for joining Ryan and me for Let Him In. We'll have new stories and new conversations every week with people who've let Jesus into their life and into their work. Share these with your friends, your family, and the people you work with. Let Him In is a ministry-supported effort funded by people like you. Our goal is to provide educational resources to underserved children and their families through tutoring, parenting classes, vocational resources, 
and to provide skill sets to people who can take their job and use it as their ministry. If you'd like to support the work and ministries of Let Him In through a recurring monthly gift or even a one-time gift, please see our podcast page where you'll find a link for Excel Learning. Through your donation, a child will get the educational help they need. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new conversation next week, but until then, find ways to let Him in your life and your work.